Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, blow it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. J. Paul Jackson here today with my buddies Dave Reynolds and Jeffrey Whitlock, and also uh, a special guest with us today, Excel Boats Customer Service Dealer Service Manager, Jeremy Coe, who's also my partner in crime on Catch and Release, which we hope to revive very soon, so got a, got a full boat of Excel people here. How are you guys doing today? Jeffrey, you all right? Yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm a little... Uh... Stir crazy, as you know. I've been uh, working from home for the last uh, week or so, and I, uh, yeah, I'm ready to kick down some doors and run for the hills. It's <laughs> not as easy as I thought it would be. You know, I did get my my station all set up, which is really good. One of the things they recommend. In fact, Dave just sent me, you know, 19 tips for working at home, and you know, I've I've got a good good one third of those in place. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, I feel like. I feel like I'm doing my part for the company. You know, I'm just staying away and uh, getting my work done. So that's 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 me in a nutshell. Hey, Dave, was, was tip number one of those 19, stop the cooler in the wet bar? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those that Definitely. I have not done yet. Well, you know, we're seeing some really, really uh, strange phenomenon here. So yesterday, uh, well, wife says... Uh, Hey, I'm cooking a rib roast. How about getting us a bottle of, of dry red wine? And I'm like, sure. So I stopped by my favorite uh, wine shop, and they are doing curbside service. They've got a big sign that says, uh, call this number, place your order, and we will bring it out to you. Let us know if you're paying by credit card or cash. CC preferred. So they're actually doing delivery on the street liquor store <laughs> oh, man. man you would not see that in salt lake no <laughs> I, you know, outside the, <laughs> the big mormon tabernacle you don't think you'd see that i don't think so in fact i would doubt the liquor stores are probably closed because of coronavirus who knows i i don't know the one time they're needed the most yeah you know? seriously they better not that's uh, you want to riot in salt lake close the liquor yeah store. no kidding yeah that's working from home is uh is different you know I don't know if it's just me, but, you know, Fridays are much more anticlimactic now, you know? I mean, Friday afternoon, it's like, all right, it's Friday. I get to go home. It's like, wait, I've been home all week. You know? <laughs> I know it would be more exciting if at the end on a Friday, you could actually go to the office. That would be really exciting. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, are the slopes closed or can you ski on the weekends? No, they closed down, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's, that's depressing. I don't know how either yeah, one of y'all ran. Uh, quite a bit uh, today. We had a little snow this morning. Mountains are getting a couple of feet. You know, they're getting you know a lot of snow, but they closed down yeah, March fifteenth indefinitely. Some ski areas closed for the season. Some are just closed. Uh, yeah, indefinitely. It may reopen. Depends on how late in the year it goes. That is depressing. Yeah, my kids. You know, they were excited because they don't have to go to school. They they planned on skiing quite a bit, and now they can't even do that. 
Well, what about uh, mountain biking? Will you be able to do that? Yeah, you can still bike, um, mountain bike, um, providing you do it in small groups. They have not outlawed that yet, but, you know, in some areas, some countries, uh, like Spain, Italy, you know, where there's a complete lockdown, I mean, they won't even allow you to go cycling or not even go for walks, I don't think. Um, they're pretty restrictive. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Uh, California had, a, you know, just announced a lot, what, Monday, and I think you could still get out and walk, cycle, but, you know, no groups pretty much solo or, you know, just family members. Yeah, that's what I heard. Strange times. Yeah. Yes, I'm seeing some really cool GIFs though these days. And, and Jeffrey, you're the social media expert. Is is it GIF or GIF? You know, there's a lot of, uh, it, it's a big discussion and one that I almost would not even dare say something because somebody out there will say something mean back to me, but I always call it a GIF. All right. See, that's what I always did. Somebody told me it was a GIF, but how about meme? What is a meme? And what is the difference between a GIF and a meme? Don't ask me. <laughs> Does anybody know? I do, yeah. Or no, a meme is a just, meme? yeah, a meme is an, an image with some text on it that says something funny. Now, now, a meme can be a GIF. A GIF is really just a type of, of image. It, it's a moving image. Oh, gotcha. It's an image. All it's right. an image that moves. So it's not a video, but it's an image that moves. So that, that's what a GIF is, or a GIF, if you are so inclined to say it wrong. <laughs> Just kidding. That's rude. I, you know, either way, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. A meme is, is a, uh, a GIF or an image with text on it that tells you a small, funny story in a, in a witty way, social commentary, whatever it may be. That's, so the that's one that mean. I just got that says, uh, hey, folks, Sesame Street didn't prepare me for this <laughs> Screw you, Big Bird. Which would that be? <laughs> that would be a meme. <laughs> but was the image, was it an, a, just a straight image or was it a GIF? <laughs> I think it's a meme. It, I said it's a meme, but is it a GIF as well? It is a GIF as well, yes. Oh, very good. Okay, see? You know, education. I learned something. <laughs> educational. We are we educational. Here. Even though Sesame Street was supposed to be educational and it didn't prepare us for this. No, they really uh, didn't. On the next podcast, it will. It will. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of education, uh, with our special guest today, we are uh, going to have a little bit of Q&A. Isn't that kind of what you had planned, Jeffrey? We do. I have been spending the the entire morning, I've come up with around a whole host of really great questions uh, that I'm going to ask the three of you today. Now, as many of you know, uh, I am not quite the expert that the rest of you are in the hunting world and fishing world, though I enjoy both and participate in both. I'm not the expert. So I've taken it upon myself today to help uh, our audience learn a little more about the three of you and the vast amount of knowledge that you have. Vast amount. Vast amount. You have a vast amount of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you could fill thimbles with the stuff that you guys know. <laughs> thimbles. Oh, sure. That was good. It was good. I, I was wondering many, if that was going to come from. 
so without further ado, I want to jump into these because I think these are really great questions. I put a lot of uh, heart and soul and thought into these questions. So thimbles full of heart and thimbles full of thought on on these. But I do want to first say welcome, Jeremy. Uh, Many of you out there do know Jeremy from his time on Catch and Release and uh, helping out with uh, the boats as well as our customer service guy recently. So uh, welcome, Jeremy. Happy to have you back on with us here on The X. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm a little disappointed I don't get work from home privileges like you all do. I leave Arkansas. I run away from the coronavirus to come home to Kentucky. And here I sit in Tennessee in my new office. So yeah, no, that's overrated. It is overrated. I don't, I don't know how this works, but I'm a little disappointed. No rest for the Does wicked. Kentucky even have any cases yet. Uh, we've got like two in Western Kentucky two. so far. So it's, wow. it's still kind of life is normal somewhat in my part of the world. Yeah. I imagine, you know, Arkansas, what do they have? Uh, close to a couple hundred now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, good. you know, uh, our employee, got tested a week ago they still don't have test results i can't believe that so we're still closed it's very frustrating i think this pandemic will be over before anybody in arkansas gets diagnosed (laughs) oh my god this is ridiculous i mean the test was a week ago i think they've lost yeah you know how long it's taking in salt lake now for test results 45 minutes 15 15 minutes wow 15 minutes Wow. Arkansas, 15 days. Best case scenario. <laughs> Best case, yes. <laughs> Poor bastard to be dead before he knows that he's got it. I think in Arkansas, they make you, what is it, they tie a rock to your ankle and make you jump in the water. If you sink, you're, you're infected. If you float, you are. Yes, and then they burn you at Something the like that. Salem, Salem, Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh poor yeah, that's sad i mean it, it's golly you're right this is ridiculous yeah that's rough but but people are still buying boats i talk to them daily dealers still have boats and are in the states that aren't shut down they're open for business and selling boats so well it really is if i could be anywhere right now instead of working from home i'd, ra- I'd much rather be working from a boat on the boat ramp, yeah. Bill Atkinson, uh, you know, he lives on a lake now. He said the boat ramp is uh, parking lots packed. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people are taking advantage of the social distancing. Well, the, on the, the crappie you're on right now, I can't say that I haven't been out there during this social distancing. So I've participated while talking to all three of you all at one point in time or another since last Wednesday. So good. Well, that serves you right. That's very good. And on that note, let's get started with some of these questions. We don't want to keep everybody all day. So I'm going to dive right in. Now, some of these questions are for all three of you, and some can be for just uh, just one of you if you don't have an answer. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, this first question is for Dave. And then maybe if somebody else has got a good story, they can jump in as well. But I, I want to hear on this one from Dave. What is the worst thing that you've ever left home from a hunt you've been on a hunt you get out of the car and you forgot something what is it what's the worst thing well you know the worst thing imaginable would be your shotgun and i've had friends have left their shotguns i have never done that i'd say the worst thing was uh waiters you left your waiters home 
Yes. So what did that you, is not good. <laughs> what um, did you do? For, for waterfowl hunting, that makes it very tough. That's a little challenging. Needless to say, I still hunted. I had Gore-Tex pants, and I did have fairly high boots, and I just walked real fast <laughs> in the shallow water. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think we, we had a good hunt that afternoon, but that was, uh, that was very frustrating. That was the worst thing I've ever forgotten was, was waders. Very good. What about you, Jay Paul? What's the worst thing you ever forgot? Oh gosh, worst thing I've ever forgotten, shells. Oh. Shells. I once uh challenging to kill ducks without shells. Yeah. Very, very challenging. Luckily, uh I shoot a Benelli Super Bike Eagle 2 right now, about to get a three, and it'll cycle anything. So uh, but then your buddies, you know, they all think you did this stuff on purpose so you can move shells off of them. But uh uh, I have forgotten shotgun shells once, but I usually, you know, I'm one of those guys that like, I can't stand to go on a hunt and not be prepared. So I usually go through my blind bag before I leave the house and, you know, make sure that everything's there and stock up on the stuff that I need. It's rare that I forget something to bring it on a hunt. Yeah, I'm the same, Jay Paul. I have everything you know, staged and ready. Especially for morning hunts. I mean, I'm packed the night before. I mean, that, that morning when I get up, all I need to do is make coffee and I'm done. Yeah, everything, you know, and out the door. Everything is packed and ready to go. Yeah, me too. I hate having to prepare in the morning. I have I have forgotten waiters before as well, where I brought them in the house, put them on the boot dryer so they'd be nice and warm in the morning. And then you got everything else in the truck or ready to go. And, you know, you, you get down the road and, or get to the boat ramp, you're like, holy crap. Yeah, that's the, I would say waiters are probably the easiest thing to forget because people do that, bring them into the house to keep them warm. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's the first thing I do when I get home. I pull my waiters inside out, put them on the dryer. So yeah, that is uh, probably easy to forget your waiters. However, uh, yeah, I have wanted to top that. I mean, this isn't uh, in regards to hunting, but biking. You know, I, I'm a pretty avid cyclist. And just a couple of years ago, you know, packed up my truck to drive out to, you know, go for a bike ride, open the back of my truck. My bike wasn't there. <laughs> that tops everything. <laughs> to go biking and forget your freaking bike. Not hunting related, but uh, that, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, Dave. I'm going to say that's pretty bad. By the way, I do have one essential tip, too. Um, Dave just kind of hit on it as well. Everybody who hunts that has waders should invest in a boot dryer. And I would highly recommend one that is fan-driven and not convection because it doesn't matter. You know, you're always going to sweat inside your waders. And there's nothing more miserable than putting on a pair of waders that are cold and damp on the inside because you didn't have a boot dryer to put them on the day before. Oh, absolutely. That's a necessity. Like I said, that's the first thing I do when I get home from hunting is I turn the waders inside out, put them on a dryer. Two reasons. I think the breathable waders now, they collect a lot more condensation. Mm -hmm. and, set, and secondly, waders are so freaking expensive now, yeah. you know, you got to take care of them. And... Yeah, if you don't dry them out, they're going to get smelly, mildewy. Um, 
Um, and like you said, they're just they are very uncomfortable the next time you wear them. It prolongs the life of your waders indefinitely, I think, you know, taking care of your waders, and that includes drying them out properly after you hunt. Yeah, and storing them in a, in a cool place, climate-controlled place during the off-season as well to prevent dry rot. And now you hit, I mean, hell-powered waders, if you're wearing sick in there, it's expensive as a shotgun. Oh, yeah. Or more. Or more, yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. As, as fun as this uh, waiter conversation is, I have more questions. <laughs> All right. This one is for Jeremy. Jeremy, what is the most embarrassing thing you've ever done while fishing? Ooh, while fishing. Because mm. I can think of one already in the short time that I've known you. I, I know of one really embarrassing thing. I've done lots of embarrassing things. You know, I have I have a new Ulterra trolling motor that you have to turn the power on and you go to be all cool and launch it at a boat ramp in the summer and make people think your boat's floating off. Uh, and then it really is floating off because you didn't turn the power on on your trolling motor and you can't get it to, <laughs> get it to come down. Uh, I've done that twice. Uh, and well, it happens. Always make sure your power is on on your Altera trolling motors so it will deploy itself. Uh, and the second is probably not paying attention to where you were in the boat and step and take the wrong step and go swimming. Yeah. So. How, how many times have you gone swimming that way? Uh, I, I'll just say I have been swimming before. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a hundred pound lab in the boat and you have crappie laying in the boat or a catfish or whatever it is, it tends to happen more than you like. So. Yes. Good. Very good. So, so what was your story, Jeffrey? Oh, um, I just know that you uh, needed a little replacement on a lower unit not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that happens too. <laughs> well, when you go fishing below the tailwaters of the Ohio River at a dam and there's barge pieces <laughs> and it stays flooded for a year and a half, you know, they tend to move around. And, and I ran the same, same contour line that me and Jay Paul ran the day before. I was just over about about six foot and took off the lower unit on a barge piece the size of my boat. So Jeez. fun stuff, you know, fun a cool thousand dollars later, you get a new lower unit and <laughs> you know, you could buy a pair of sick waiters for that. Just, you just could get a pair of sick waiters for that. <laughs> awesome. Good. That was a good answer. Very good. All right. This is a question for all three of you. Have you ever, while out either fishing or hunting, had a run-in with law enforcement? Many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a time or three. <laughs> yeah, many times. Although not, uh, not as often lately as... Uh, I mean, is it, is it just me? Years ago, there were more law enforcement officers. I, I think, yeah... The, in general, they're spread pretty thin these days. Oh, yeah, especially um, here. There's just not as many law enforcement officers out there, it appears, at least in Utah. But, you know, it used to get checked all the time, but now a couple times a year. Uh, is it is it just me, or does everybody else get nervous when they go to check uh, your plug and your shotgun? And you know it's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, especially the feds. You know, I mean, the state guys aren't too bad, but the feds, they're ruthless. I mean, they are you're guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> I mean, it, it just makes me nervous, and I don't know why. I, I've been checked several times that way. So. 
All right, but do we have any good stories? I mean, I mean, run in, run in, not just your regular check, but anything, any stories that you want to admit to? Oh gosh. Well, I've heard of several times Jay Paul running from them, but <laughs> <laughs> just run in, run I'm just, I'm just kidding. I hadn't heard any of those stories. <laughs> oh gosh. So, um, you know, being a, 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 the host of an outdoor television series. Um, I've had to be very, very careful over the years because nothing could end your career quicker than a bad game violation. Um, however, prior to uh, prior to becoming a TV personality, I, I had a couple along the way. I guess probably the uh, the worst one that I ever had, and it did uh, result in a ticket. We were dove hunting several years ago at uh, a family member's distant relative's farm and we were hunting in a sunflower field and uh, it was a cut sunflower field but apparently one of the other folks that was hunting there decided that they needed to supplement that with a little bit of wheat and some more sunflower <laughs> and uh, unfortunately he didn't tell any of us either so we're out there hunting and man it was a it was a barn burner. I mean, we were the rock, and everybody was going to get their limit. And as a matter of fact, I killed a dove, and the game wardens come in the field, and I just kept on shooting. And I shot another one and uh, went to send the dog for it. One of the game wardens was really nice. Hey, I got this bird. I'll bring it to you. And so, you know, they came. They checked us. We thought everything was really good. We uh, kept on shooting. And uh, then when we got ready to come out, they had stuck around and they're like, okay, guys, we're gonna write all you guys a ticket because you're shooting in a baited field. And we started to object a little bit. Sure enough, uh, one of the guys took us out there into the middle of the field. And then we all started turning to look and see who the SOP was that had done it to the damn field because it didn't need to be. But uh, that was, I think, the first ticket that I ever got. And I might have gotten one or two more. Probably the scariest was in Canada. I was uh, hunting with an outfitter in Canada who was uh, a little bit unscrupulous. And we were hunting in a, we were duck hunting, and you can kill eight, and there were eight of us, so we could kill 64 ducks. And we did that morning. I mean, it was a barn burner. We were, again, hammering the ducks. And I, by this point, I was guiding around the country, so I'm not in Canada. And I'd been keeping our ducks separated and keeping track, and we all limited out. Game warden comes out into the field. And he goes to check us, and uh, we're all good. We even uh, we thought it was kind of funny. We got a picture made with, with the game warden uh, out in the field. Went back to the lodge to take a nap. And midday, we're all stretched out on couches and recliners napping when six Canadian game wardens come marching through the door and uh they're like hey guys what's up so y'all getting ready to go back out and hunt some more this afternoon i'm like well no we limited out this morning he's like well that's a good answer we think you did a little bit better than limiting out it turns out that our guide the day before had taken a group and they had to that same field and they had shot over the limit and he had actually ditched about 25 ducks on the edge of the field. And uh, after we left, 
the game warden that had checked us went and found them. And it's a pretty scary situation. They took the six of us, and there were six of us, and there were six of them, and they uh, took two game wardens to watch four of us at a time, while the other four, two each, took one of us, put us in a truck by ourselves with them, and, and interrogated us. And luckily, at the end of the interrogation, even though they broke us apart, all six of our stories matched perfectly. And they figured out that we weren't the ones that had ditched the ducks. So we got off, but it didn't turn out very good for the outfitter. Mm. That was pretty intense. Sitting yeah. in the back of a crew cab pickup in a foreign country with two game wardens doing everything but putting a damn spotlight in your face to grill you. You talk about nerve wracking. That was pretty intense. You ever had any kind of running like that, Dave or Jeremy? I haven't. No, I haven't. I have not, uh, yeah, I've not gotten a ticket either. Um, I haven't got a ticket. I had to say I'm with Dave on that one. <clears throat> I never had a run-in like that. I've had uh, hunting partners have gotten tickets, maybe, you know, for getting a stamp or for getting to sign a stamp, you know, minor violations, but been fortunate. Never been in a situation like that. That would be, uh, that'd be pretty hairy, you know, I'd, I know in uh, Canada, they are pretty aggressive. They even have undercover agents um, that will, will go in on hunts. Um, in fact, you know, that's uh, what happened to Foils, I believe. He got nailed uh, a few times, undercover agents wow. posing to be, you know, hunters. Jeez. Yeah, they, they, actually, uh, they actually do that. Uh, they do that in the States as well, but it's more of a bed thing. A few years ago, uh, well, several years ago, 15, 20 years ago, back when I used to guide a lot during the winter in the off-season for dog training, I apparently guided a couple of federal game wardens and didn't even know it. And then about a month after duck season was over, I got a letter in the mail from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service saying that uh, they had hunted with me and everything was good. But I don't even, I, I, to this day, have no clue who it was. They do the same thing, fishing guides. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. So I got another cool story about game wardens as well. Uh, this was one that was kind of a shocker. A few years ago down in Arkansas, we were hunting. There were three of us, and uh, we killed our 18 ducks. And we had them all separated and everything, and we're running out of a pit. And as we were leaving, we walked up on a green wing till and we kill six or eight till. And you know, they come in and you know, little wads, and sometimes you'll kill one and not even realize that there was laying on the levee walking out a green wing till and it was still warm, fresh. It was obvious that we had killed it and didn't realize it. And you know, didn't count it. And, and you know, we, we went on shooting, so we actually wound up with. 19 birds so i took the till and took it out with me and uh when we came out to the truck up out of the bushes walked a couple of game wardens and they walk up to us and they're like hey guys what's going on and can we check in when i went to throw my strap on the back of the truck i said look i've got i've got seven birds and it was an honest mistake we were walking out came up on a bird and uh you know i figured i could you know, dig a hole, or I could 
do the right thing and bring it out. So, you know, there you go. And they wrote me a warning ticket that they did not cite me. And the game warden told me, he said, you know, we've been watching y'all for the last half hour. We saw you pick up the bird. And because you told us the truth, I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm not going to cite you. But if you had a buried it, then you can bet we were going to bust your ass. <laughs> so doing the right thing actually paid off. Yeah, that's always a tough one. I think we've always, all of us have been in that situation where you shoot a limit and then you might find a cripple at the end of your hunt or on the way out. And uh, yeah, that's that's a tough predicament because it's, you know, you, you don't want wanton waste, but, uh, you know, by taking that bird, you can get the risk of getting fined. So it, unfortunately, usually those birds are, end up as you know, raccoon or hawk food, but, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It, it just, it, it does happen. It does happen to a lot of hunters. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I think it's happened to us all, you know, multiple yeah. times. As a matter of fact, uh, back when I was filming, if we had a large group, we would declare a limit with a couple birds short, you know, just in case to be safe. But, you know, I really think, I mean, I've been checked in, I don't know, I've duck hunted in 24 states and three Canadian provinces, and I've probably been checked in 12 or 15 uh, states and every province I've ever hunted in. in in Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And I would say that by and large, most of the game wardens that I've come in contact with have been really cool. As a matter of fact, I got checked out, and you may have even been checked by her. The last time that I hunted Salt Lake, a, uh, we got checked by a female game warden there by Antelope Island who was really, really nice and really kind of attractive for a game warden. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, so, you know, I think that most of the time, um, they, they uh, you know, they're just out there trying to do their job. I've had a few that were jerks and smart, Alex. There's one state in particular that I think that when they go to game warden school, they train them to be assholes. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to mention which state that is, but I probably had more trouble in that state than any other. Yeah, you know, most of them are great. You know, and, and yeah, here in Utah, have, a lot of times they're biologists and you know, they don't, they ask to see your license, but more importantly, they're interested in your bag, you know, what you've shot, they record what you've shot. Um, you get checked biologists, by biologists quite often. Yeah, we get that a lot at home, at home too. And, and you know, most of them are really, really just super nice people when they come up to you, you know, only in the show me state. <laughs> Great. Okay, another next question. <clears throat> if you could only fish one species for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, there's no doubt it's a crappie. <clears throat> crappie or saltwater. If I could live around saltwater, it'd be saltwater, but crappie are the best eating fish so that's all i want in my freezer that's my boat i got a question for you jeremy is it uh is there a difference between a crappie and a crappie no is it a crappie a subspecies I, I, of a crappie a crappie it, oh it's a bad day a crappie fishing is all it is so 
<laughs> no, crappy. When you get crappie fishing is a uh, crappy fishing. Yeah, when you get in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, parts of Georgia, they call them crappy. You get in Louisiana and up north, they're sockeyes. You go to Florida, they only know them by specs. They don't even know what a crappie is. And you get in the south and the the central part of the U.S., it's all crappie. So it all depends on yeah. where you go. Perch. Yeah, I've heard it called one of everything. Mm. What about you, Jay Paul? One species. Oh, freshwater, it'd be largemouth bass. They don't taste nearly as good as crappie, but they're a heck of a lot more fun to catch today. He likes some green carp. I do like those green carp. Uh, (laughs) You know, and and I like saltwater a whole lot too, though. That's what I'm saying. If if I could live around saltwater, I'd be gone. (laughs) Forget freshwater fish. Speckled trout if it was saltwater, I guess. I, we're just so far away here. It takes what eight hours to get to Mobile, and that's closest for us. Yeah. What about you, Dave? I'd have to say largemouth as well. You know, I, I grew up in Michigan and used to fish for largemouth three, four days a week. Northern pike, largemouth, my favorite. Um, you know, fly fishing with trout. I mean, I love it, but uh, you know, it, it's a finesse sport. It's fun, but it is. Finesse sport can be a little frustrating. Yeah. With bass, you could be sloppy and still catch bass. Oh, yeah. fact, sometimes the sloppier you are, the 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 better the fishing is, uh, as far as surface lures, anyways. But yeah, um, yeah, largemouth bass. Good by a pretty good margin. All right, here's a question for all three of you. If you were a duck, what species of duck would you be? I'd probably be a shoveler because I know nobody would probably shoot me. <laughs> That's a good answer. What about you, Jay Paul? Oh, um, uh, I would probably be a mallard. Why is that? Uh, I'm not even going to say. Because, <laughs> no, you got to say. <laughs> you know, mallards are pretty damn tenacious. If you've ever seen them in a springtime going after hens, they are they are uh very aggressive gotcha <laughs> gotcha enough said good yeah, they kind of do their own thing you know most most waterfowl uh are photo migrators you know except for mallards you know they, the shortening of the days probably mallards matters less to a mallard than anything they just do their own thing good jeremy what about you i don't know enough about ducks I've, I've duck hunted a little bit, but I'm, I'm on the same terms as uh, Dave is. That's that's why I was asking as a coot a duck, because don't nobody want a mud hen. So I, I just simply coot. Jeremy be a scoby goose, you oh, know, great big birds. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that about Jeremy. It'd be so, it'd be something huge, like a swan or something. <laughs> good, very good. Okay. For all three of you, whether fishing or hunting, what is the one thing you know you should do to prepare, but you never do? Always bring toilet paper. You know, they had the first question all wrong, being that we were talking about coronavirus. So, always be prepared and bring toiletries. Now, I'd say probably the one thing uh, is that I'm probably not prepared for mechanical issues with my motor. Mm. I mean, you know. I think I have a pliers. I think I have a pair of pliers in my boat. That's about it. Um, <laughs> Yikes. I've always known I probably should have more tools, but um, hey, I have a push pole. Yeah, that's really oh. all you need. 
push. Yeah, but you know, yeah, I've had this push pole in my boat for years and a few years ago, I finally had to use it. My motor died, actually it blew a fuse, mm-hmm. which you'd never expect. Yeah, that's a rare one. Uh, took out my trusty push pole that I've had in my boat for 10 years and never even used it. And after about five minutes, busted my push pole. I think the, <laughs> uh, the pin holding on that duck foot busted off. Oh, man. Try pulling a boat without a duck foot on a push pole. That was fun. But uh, yeah, I'd say being prepared for mechanical issues. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I would say that the, the two things that are the one thing that I probably don't do fishing wise, hunting wise, um, not so much, too much, but fishing, I, I will come home and I will get busy and I'll clean out my boat, but I won't, don't always remember to charge the batteries. That's and always a big one. Then you get ready to go the next time, and it's and your battery's dead. I've had that happen a couple of times. I think I've had that happen with you once. Yeah, me and you went, and I had not, and we got the fish, but we didn't have enough battery life. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the biggest that I do. And I keep a, a power cord hanging to wherever the back of my boat goes in my building, and it stays plugged in all the time. So I, I tried to avoid that as well. I mean, people get in a hurry. That's that's the biggest thing. Don't ever get in a hurry. Try to do it ahead of time because the the quicker you try to do it and the more hurry you're in, the more you forget, like forgetting to put the plug in your boat and uh, unstrap it from the back of the trailer and then it won't come off the trailer. And so take your time as always. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> For all three of you, you're stuck in a blind in the apocalypse, kind of like now. With one person, living or dead, who is it? Who would you want to be, or what's your biggest nightmare? <laughs> <laughs> let's do both. Right, no, so let's do who you want to be. You can choose any any person, living or dead, that you're stuck in the in a blind through the apocalypse. Who is it? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I would rather him not be dead. Have you never watched The Walking Dead, Jeffrey? <laughs> <laughs> In the apocalypse, you know, I want them alive. Oh, man. You know, um, that's a hard one. That could be a lot of different. If you just, yeah, that's a tough one. I'd say Jeremy Cohn. Yeah, besides, you know, Donald Trump. I don't know if he'd be up there. (laughs) I don't know if I can. I love him, but I don't know if I can stand him. Oh, my. Yeah, that was man. I, I don't know. I'd have to say, yeah, you know, probably my best hunting partner, my my son Jack. I guess so. I, I'd probably have to bring Maddox, my dog. And, you know, if if it ever came to that, screw the limits, man. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure this is the end of the world. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You just have to be stuck with somebody <laughs> for that long. If, 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 it was, if I were going to be stuck in a duck line with anybody, and I could choose, it would be my wife, probably. I'm going to be stuck in them. I love hunting with my wife. I really enjoy duck hunting with Melody. She's a way better hunter anyway. She is. And she doesn't know what the limit is. <laughs> so we'll be chasing her somewhere or the other. Yeah. She, she lets me do all the calling. She works the dog. She cleans up. Yeah, it'd be my wife in a duck line for sure. If it were and she plucks ducks. If it were in a boat, though, it would be the boy wonder. I guess I'd rather be stuck in a boat with Jeremy Coe than anybody. 
Wow. So it's probably Bill Dance, but Bill just likes to take control so much. <laughs> I'm not sure I can stand that. What about uh, you, Jeffrey? What's that? What about you? Oh, if I had to be stuck in, stuck in a blind with somebody, I, I like Jeremy's idea. I'd probably choose a dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd assume him go get the birds if I. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, not, I, I, I'm asking the questions. I don't have to answer them, Jay Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot the rule. <laughs> that, that's my answer. Damn cheater. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, out of the three of you, which one of you would win on the show Survivor? Oh, I've got a, I, I don't know. Me and Jay Paul could probably last pretty long. I don't know about either of you two, but I have enough guns and ammo and garden supplies, and I've got enough stuff in cans from a garden that I could survive a year's. I could survive two years probably with canned goods. So, oh, me and Jay Paul yeah. probably had to shoot one another to yeah. say who lived the longest. Yeah. I'm pretty damn sneaky, I'll tell you that. I think I'd do pretty good. Now, naked and afraid, I wouldn't last two minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I yeah, I could survive. Yeah, you know, toilet paper rations. I'm pretty good for a couple of years. Um, right now, but um, yeah, that's a tough one. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I do well on survive. Yeah, I could hold them. I could hold my own. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, I think all three of you could. That's why I asked the question. Yeah. I think my money would be on Dave. Actually, I have a high tolerance for pain. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I go on these. 14 hour yes. bicycle ride, yes. 20,000 vertical feet. That is, that's pain and suffering and misery, yeah. all for fun. Me and Jay Paul are big bone corn fed <laughs> boys. He could probably outrun us, anyways. Yeah, oh, you definitely <laughs> on the athleticism part, no doubt about it. I'm just not sure Dave would be just pure mean. No, uh, probably... if I could what? Sorry. Just be pure mean. You know, some of those people that went on Survivor, it's because they're so conniving. Oh, they're just mean. They're ruthless. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. No, I, I, you're right. I wouldn't be one of those people. <laughs> Although, honestly, I don't think any of the three of us are. You know, I probably so did you too. I hate to admit that. Oh my God, I'm gonna go to hell. But you know, because <laughs> I will steal out of your blind bag. No doubt about that. <laughs> that's your shotgun shells. Yeah, yeah, shotgun shotgun shells. shells. Yes, sir. He donated shotgun shells pretty good. I stole two boxes from him. Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, yeah. I know a guy that did come to a company and <laughs> forgot shotgun shells. <laughs> yes, yes. I did. But now he did bring snacks. I did. I brought milk. That's good. That's a good trade off. Yeah, that's a decent trade off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you do that. So, Jeremy, I mean, Jeffrey, uh, is that that wrapping up the Q&A? Is that what you got? I, I actually have one more if we've got time. Do you think we've got time? We've got time. Let's hit one All more. Right. This, is a, this is a little more serious question. Uh, this goes back to our hunting from all of you for duck hunting. If you had, if you had $100 million and no red tape, what would you do to change the waterfowling sport? Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot to change in the sport. I think uh, what I would do is buy some habitat to ensure that there's more ducks for the sport. You know, I'd probably buy my own marsh, you know, and and uh, hire somebody to manage it. And then so it becomes a good, you know, waterfowl production area and also for selfish reasons. So I have a place to hunt all on my own. Very good. 
you know, I'm not sure 100 million would do it, but I would love to see in uh, the Prairie Puddle region of the United States, uh, North and South Dakota in particular, um, and Prairie Canada, I would love to see uh, CRP opportunities expanded, and I would do everything that I could to propagate and protect small potholes and the habitat around them. You know, um, one of the things I learned when I was really active working with Delta Waterfowl was that 10 one-acre potholes will produce way, way more ducks than one 10-acre pothole. And so, you know, we, in those areas where of, of South Dakota, in particular, pothole region where you have a lot of CRP, um, you have a lot of waterfowl production. And that's where if I had the money to spend for conservation, I would put it into, you know, providing habitat by, through CRP, protecting potholes and eradicating predators. Yeah. Yeah, good answer. I agree. I think it's, you know, buying habitat to ensure the future of our sport. And that's probably the best use of $100 million. Predator to control habitat. And, and my own and my own personal marsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would probably set aside a couple of millions to do something selfish <laughs> in the South. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the end of my questions. Thanks, guys, for being good sports on that. Man, I'll tell you what, this has been a lot of fun. This uh, social distancing and and confinement stuff isn't too bad when we all get together like this. We're making the best out of it. Huh? Don't get me wrong. I don't want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I'm a lord or any shit like that. But <laughs> <laughs> it has been kind of fun. It's definitely been fun having the boy wonder here. It is. This is the first one I've got to do. I appreciate y'all having me on. So speaking of... Uh, it'll, it'll be the last too, Jeremy. Sorry. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it will be the last. Oh, my. Uh, been, day's been really hard the past couple of days. <laughs> I have this this uh, social distancing, isolation. This man. cabin fever has just turned you. Yeah, I know. Man. I'm a different person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Turned downright me. All right, so boy, when we're gonna put you on the spot? It's kind of a tradition here on On the X. I've taken you duck hunting a couple times now, so I know you do bring a brine bag and you do bring goodies. If uh, I'm gonna reach into your brine bag and steal a snack, what am I gonna find? Oh, it's probably gonna be mm, Rice Krispie treats, more than likely, or Reese's. I do remember the rice. Actually, you had like some kind of a, a cinnamon toast crunch breakfast bar cereal thing that one day in there. I'm a big boy. I didn't get six seven by not having lots of stuff. <laughs> it's gonna be like Halloween. You're gonna get all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you had some elk jerky, as I recall. I had elk. No, it was snack sticks. Yeah, elk snack sticks, and I like hunting with him because he does bring a lot of food, guys. <laughs> The boy does know how to cook, and he's, he keeps the freezer full. But we can last a long time between our two households. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So y'all need to leave Salt Lake right now. Start preparing. <clears throat> Come to Tennessee and Kentucky. We got plenty of toilet paper at our house. I'll share with you guys. Just go home.
No, that's good to know. You know, uh, I, I read the other day that Walmart is refusing uh, returns of toilet paper. Good. Yeah, Costco's doing the same thing. That's good. Yeah, wow. I guess a lot of people Thank realized. You. Sorry to get off topic, but, you know, they, they overdid it a little. A little overdone. Yep. A little but, uh, yeah, and even slightly used toilet paper, they aren't taking back. <laughs> oh, man. Well, go to Jay Paul's. He's got plenty of toilet paper. I just burn all my leaves, so I'm pretty selfish <laughs> with toilet paper, so you're out of luck at my house. <laughs> well, I didn't order that. We don't have, I mean, it's not like we got tons and tons of there, you know. <laughs> You know, I told my wife that I was going to make her wash the sheets after she used some <laughs> again, but that didn't go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, be safe out there, man. We are in some very, very uncertain times right now, no doubt about it. But one thing's for sure, this too is going to pass. Yeah. And remember, folks, that... One of the best ways to social distance is to get in your Excel boat. Let's say go get on the lake. Go buy a boat or get in it. Yep, dealers are selling them every single day, right, Dave? Oh yeah. Yeah, every day. Uh, yeah. One of the sales guys in Abernathy's called me. Sold two yesterday, the bay boat and the F four. Yeah. Yeah, people are buying boats. People are taking advantage of it. Yeah, and I saw a good slogan. This is by Coca Cola Company, but uh, what did it say? By by staying apart, we stay united. Absolutely. That's cool. That's that was that was pretty strong. So can this pretty strong. I've got a question before we leave. So, you know, after coronavirus 2020 is over with, is social distancing still acceptable? I mean, can we like, you know, keep people at home? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm a pretty outgoing person and a people person, but it's been kind of nice, you know, nobody being in town and it being quiet. There is there's, there's, there's yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There's some positivity in social distancing. Uh, it's been yeah. The commute to work is is real nice. You know, not a yeah, lot of cars. No on rush the road. hour. Yeah. Yeah. And gas prices. Yeah. I paid yeah. ninety five cents a gallon last night. How much? It's ninety five. It's ninety nine. Ninety five cents oh a gallon. I think we're still like two thirty or oh, something yeah. in Salt Lake. Two thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're getting reamed. It's been a dollar fifty less at than home a dollar? Month. I was told that in Paris, Tennessee, they expect by the end of the week it'll be seventy nine. Wow. That means it would be under two dollars maybe here. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising, you know, when the oil prices you know go down, how long it takes for our gas prices to go down. But when oil prices go up, I mean it's the next day, it's the next yeah, hour. It yeah, it's a huge increase. But when they go down, it's weeks before we even see it. Amen. Brilliant observation. And I don't know why that is. And remember, folks, gas is not very stable. So don't go to hoarding it because one, it's unsafe. Two, it doesn't matter. It doesn't last. Yeah. It's a very, very short shelf life. But yeah, I'm enjoying it while I can, though. I'm telling you, it was really, really cool. I never thought I'd see gas under a dollar again in my lifetime. No kidding. Yeah, I've seen it once when I was like five, <laughs> three, four, or something like that. Yeah, which was like what, a couple years ago? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's been about 10 years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, guys, will you guys stay safe? Uh, Jeremy, I mean, Jeffrey. I do that to these guys all the time, by the way, folks. You're out there listening. Yeah, we're twins, if you can't tell. Jeremy, what do we got on top for our next podcast? On tap for our next podcast. Next podcast, 
if at all possible, and I'm pretty sure this is going to work out, we are going to do a hunting wrap up uh, with our good friend, Freddie King. Always love it. Having Freddie on there. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. All right. Well, let's get that thing going. And for everybody out there, remember, uh, we got to flatten the curve. Stay home unless you absolutely have to go outside. The coronavirus is very, very real. I know a lot of people feel like that as a country, we're overreacting to it. Um, in New York City and other areas, I would tell you that they would easily say that we're not reacting enough. Um, you know, there are a finite number of people that are going to get this disease, no matter what we do, but by practicing social distancing, we can at least keep them from all getting sick at once and overloading our healthcare system. So be mindful of everybody else, be considerate, uh, don't hoard things, keep your distance, stay at home when possible, and hopefully we'll get through this sooner rather than later. But until then, we're gonna to continue to come back to you regularly, Jeff, Dave, and myself, with the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.